It's a bullshitter, but it's an incredibly confident bullshitter. What's sad and amusing to me on this point, this thing spits out believable, confident, eloquent even, bullshit. Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Friday, December 16th. Today, Baratunde Thurston joins me for a tour of ChatGPT, the remarkable new artificial intelligence platform that can answer most of your questions and impressively write out whatever you tell it to. But as Baratunde explains, there are more than a few important things that ChatGPT can't do. He'll let us know if the buzz around the platform will fade or if it will take over humankind as we know it. And later, Alex Bigler is here to guide us through Puck's second annual guide to mirth and merriment. She talks to Dylan Byers, Julia Alexander, Tara Palmieri, and yours truly. Aside from our loyal listeners, we'll find out what's making us merry this season. We'll hear about all that and more in today's episode of Powers That Be. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash powers that be, netsuite.com slash powers that be. That's netsuite.com slash powers that be. Happy Friday, everybody. Uh, If you're hungover from whatever holiday party you were at last night, hang in there. The weekend is almost here. I'm joined today by Baratunde Thurston. And I feel like, man, we uh, should start a little series where we just philosophize about tech. If you haven't listened to our episode about Twitter from last week, you were very thoughtful on that. Today, we're going to talk about chat GPT. What do you think about all that? <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff. <laughs> what do I think about all that stuff? Uh, it's good to be back. I'm glad we haven't had such a long absence. And uh, I am not in my car this week, Peter. It's good to be on solid ground. I'm on my my sexy good mic. When I get on it like this, you can really just feel the depth of my thoughts, I hope. Uh, so I thank anyone for bearing with the uh, lower quality from my phone. Your voice phone. is extra buttery today. Extra buttery. Yes. Yeah, so chat GPT, generative artificial intelligence uh, built on large language models or language learning models. I forgot what the LLM stands for, but it ingests a ton of existing information. Sometimes it's uh, visual art and painting. Sometimes it's a corpus of text. Uh, use the word corpus when you want to sound really fancy. And, uh, and this machine is able to build correlations and predict what the next word would be uh, in a way that sounds really human. 
and is grammatically correct. It powers things like Google Translate already that we use all the time, but it's coming for a different sector. My biggest, broadest thoughts are, wow, uh, holy shit, uh, no, and hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, just step back a second. A couple weeks ago when this really started to take off, I saw a, a tweet about this. From the day they launched to reaching about a million users, it took five days. And someone on Twitter compared that to Instagram, took 75 days, Spotify, 150 days. So the growth has been rapid. Can you just like explain for people listening who haven't actually like engaged with the the user experience, like what it does? Because those comparisons are to social media or like a music streaming app. I mean, you really just type in a prompt and then it talks back to you, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And I think, you know, my experience with these types of systems, tools like Google Translate have gotten a lot better because they're built on models like this. And, and it spits out much more than just a word-for-word translation. It can translate a concept by just the powers of mass correlation. Years ago, when I was uh, post-Onion doing entrepreneurial things with tech and comedy, we were doing these uh, hackathon events where comedians and developers and designers would build ridiculous pieces of tech. And, and a company was actually born out of uh, the collaboration of this called Botnik Studios. It was a bunch of comedians who were doing silly things like writing the next Harry Potter novel by ingesting all the previous Harry Potter novels and having a machine write the next installation, the next edition. They were writing episodes of Seinfeld based on ingesting previous episodes of Seinfeld. You've seen in Black Mirror a version of this where you ingest your your deceased partner's full life of text, and then you can correspond with them. That scene from that fictional series is now much closer to reality. With ChatGPT uh, built on the GPT engine, you just go to the website, chat.openai.com. This is a product of OpenAI. And you can engage in a back and forth with a pile of code. To give a tangible example, as I was logging on to talk to you, I asked uh, ChatGPT the following. Actually, I demanded the following. Write a trailer for a movie about Puck a new media publication covering the centers of power in Washington, New York, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood. Within seconds, this is what the program spit out. In a world where the centers of power in Washington, New York, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood hold the keys to the future, one new media publication is determined to shed light on their secrets. This is the story of Puck, a fearless and independent new media outlet that won't back down. As our reporters dig deeper, they will uncover corruption, greed, and abuse of power at the highest levels. From the halls of Congress to the boardrooms of Wall Street, they will go wherever the story takes them. But the powerful won't give up their secrets easily. As Puck's reporters continue to shine a light on the truth, they will face threats of intimidation from those who would rather keep the public in the dark. Join us as we take you on a journey into the heart of America's elite. This is the story of Puck a new media publication that is fearless in the pursuit of truth. Puck, coming soon. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty good. (laughs) I like your movie trailer guy voice. Thank you. The Um, voice was mine. That was was my interpretation. That was was Baritone's voice. That was not (laughs) artificial intelligence. That was not Skynet. In your mind, um, as a writer and someone obviously who knows Puck, what is the delta between what that AI just created, the thing you just read, and what 
our marketing people would write or like what an actual human would write. This entity doesn't actually know what Puck is. It just knows to like grab words that I gave it and then relate them to a bunch of other words and sort of networks of words that it knows and spit out something that is sensical. So what it produced made sense. It was truish. It was plausible, but it's not actually a movie about Puck, right? It's just, I took the limited thing I gave them and it just kind of repeated it back to me with a few tropes added. So it was bad copy, but serviceable, right? It, it, was, it wasn't gibberish. It's just no one would get rewarded for submitting that. No one would get promoted. And we probably wouldn't run a version of this in anything. But I can think of versions of this, giving it a bit more information, bounding the needs. Like, I need you to summarize this large body of text into something more digestible. I need you to come up with alternatives on this theme. Uh, in the same way that a lot of email service providers like MailChimp or Klaviyo currently do. They will generate a bunch of possible headlines for your email campaigns that used to just be people, ad copywriting people who did that. And now a machine says, here's 13 we can try. We'll A-B test them. We'll do a sample and then we'll show you the open rates on those. And that's the one you'll launch with. But these tools will increasingly apply to business content as well as editorial content as the capabilities of these assistants kind of climb that value chain. It reminded me a little bit of like, if you are writing a paper for your like 10th grade English class yeah, and you didn't read the book and you just sort of like throw a bunch of words together to fill up two pages, double spaced and hope it gets past your teacher. Mm -hmm. That's what that sounded to me like. It's a bullshitter. <laughs> it's, a, but it's an incredibly confident bullshitter. What's sad and amusing to me on this point, this thing spits out believable, confident, eloquent even, bullshit. If this came out 30 years ago, the delta between what it produced and what we would accept in the real world would be much greater. Unfortunately, our world has become so much more full of bullshit that chat GPT is like right on time to fit in. And so there's going to be this kind of crossover point. The amount of people who like model themselves on a TED Talk already, the amount of performance that's in a college application the amount of plagiarism that already runs through and the amount of like empty business consultant speak that's woven into supposedly human conversation, we're lowering ourselves just as this technology is elevating itself. And so how will we know the difference between someone who's just like really into PR or a bot, right? Or really wants to get into college by faking it until they make it and a machine? How is this thing learning? Is it learning from the inputs? Does it know now or have a hint or signal that Puck is a media company at the intersection of blah, 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 because you put it in? Or is it just scouring the internet? This is me not understanding how to program AI, but I, I'm just curious, like, can it grow? Will it become Skynet? <laughs> It'll definitely become Skynet. I asked it and it had to confess because of the laws of robotics. <laughs> the data on which this thing is built was locked at the end of 2021. So it cannot currently, as designed, take in new information. I believe that its knowledge of Puck is just based on my prompt. I defined it in my question. But certain identities are known because it was ingested before the gate was locked. So you can say, you know, write me a script in the style of X, Y, or Z, 
when I asked ChatGPT as I wrote the article for Puck, which everyone should read, I asked it to explain who Fannie Lou Hamer was, uh, who's a, a civil rights icon and activist. And there's a new documentary about her that's out. It did a decent job of essentially showing me what I could have found if I went to Wikipedia without actually taking the tremendous effort to travel one tab over to wikipedia.org. When I asked it, where did you get your sources for the information you just shared? It said, I, I can't tell you. Uh, that's, that's a paraphrase, but the conclusion was, like, I don't have the ability to tell you where things came from. I don't scour the web. Uh, and so I, I haven't looked deep into the FAQ of the terms to know how the engineers, like what they trained it on exactly. It seems pretty clear that Wikipedia was a big part of it. It's kind of public domain-ish. And whether it learns from our interaction with it as a live chatbot, I think the answer is yes. OpenAI is an organization that, you know, Elon Musk helped kick off with Peter Thiel and money. Microsoft is now the majority investor. And their initial design was, we got to control AI before AI controls us. And this is very much a beta. That's how they branded this chat bot. And they asked for feedback. So I can rate my answers positive or negative. I can correct it. The problem is I have to know the right answer. The last question I want to ask you, Baratunde, is there's always these buzzy tech platforms that blow up. Like remember Meerkat, Be Real recent, more recently. Um, and, and certainly we talked in our last podcast about Mastodon and like the alternatives to Twitter. Um, is it your sense that this is something that's durable or is it your sense that this is something that's buzzy? This is durable. You know, for a while we thought automation meant physical robots uh, displacing physical human labor. And it seems clearer to me as time passes that it's going to be software agents and bots and, and generative AI systems that will complement and displace softer skills amongst humans, uh, creative work, image generation, image recognition, copywriting, list making, data-driven journalism is already being affected by this. So this is only going to increase. And I think if you're in the creative field as a creator, as a manager, as an accountant, as an agent, um, you will be increasingly contending with these tools on the plus side of like, how can it help me get my job done? And on the downside of how do I protect my unique offering to the world from getting eaten by software and who benefits from it, you know, in the end, who's designing it, who's monetizing it. That's usually a smaller set of people with a smaller set of interests. But I don't think this is uh, just a buzz thing. I think this is evidence of a continuum of automation that's just, you know, going to affect lawyers and, and other white collar workers more than uh, those same workers might have assumed it only affected blue collar workers. Yeah, I mean, I remember the conversation around automation and manufacturing and, and like in the presidential race in 2019 and 2020, rather, was about how, you know, 3D printing is going to take jobs away and, and driverless cars will take trucking away. And those are blue collar jobs. But this feels like it's encroaching into white collar college degree territory now. Yeah. And those are the people who, uh, well, people who like to bullshit. So if, if we've invented a better bullshit artist than the best bullshit artist, that's a real threat to civilization as we know it, Peter. Oh, that's dark, man. Um, <laughs> all right. Thanks for your insight. I appreciate you explaining this to me. I still need to fiddle around with it, but uh, this was a good jumping off point. Thanks, man. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. When we come back, Alex Bigler is here to walk us through Puck's Guide to Mirth and Merriment. 
Are you tired of sleeping hotter than hell? I sure am. I sleep hot. There's something crucial about sleep that eludes us when we're too warm, too uncomfortable, and too caught in the web of our own thoughts to drift off. And while curiosity fuels our days, science tells us that cool sleep recharges our nights. That's where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Meet the bed cooling system that elevates the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. I love it. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees, allowing your body to rest and recover. This isn't just about escaping the heat, it's also about optimizing your sleep for better health, more energy, and improved physical and cognitive performance, which I obviously need hosting a podcast. Chili pads are designed for one or two sleepers, so if your sleep partner likes to sleep at a different temperature, or you only need it for one side of the bed, that's okay too, and we know that's crucial. Plus, you can schedule automated temperature changes to trigger deep sleep. But when I'm at home, Chili Pad solves those problems. So trust me on this one. Visit sleep.me slash powers to get your chili pad and save up to $315 with code powers. This offer is available exclusively for powers that be listeners and only for a limited time. Order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with their sleep trial. Visit www.sleep.com dot me slash powers because you're not just investing in better sleep you're creating a better life hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, everybody. I'm joined right now by Alex Bigler for the segment. I think we're now calling the Bigler Beat. How are you, Alex? I couldn't be better, Peter. How are you? I'm feeling the mirth and merriment as the holidays arrive. Oh, it's so funny <laughs> you should say that. Um, what a coincidence. What a serendipitous coincidence. You know, last week you had asked when Puck's second annual guide to mirth and merriment was coming out. And you know that we do everything we do for you, Peter. And so given that, ask and you shall receive, the guide to mirth and merriment came out this week and we're all very excited. I am proud of my entries and I just skimmed it and shared it. So if you are looking for last minute gifts for people, there's some really good stuff on there. Well, as you as you know, because you are a puck journalist, our journalists are not just elite reporters, but they are also tastemakers and cultural arbiters as well. And so I had the privilege of talking to three such tastemakers earlier this week about some of their choices that made it to the list. Can I share them with you? Please go. Fire away. Can't wait to hear. Okay, let's check out the first one with everyone's favorite, Dylan Byers. I'm here with Dylan Byers. Dylan, happy second anniversary of Puck's Guide to Mirth and Merriment. I can't believe it's that time of year already. It snuck up. It's been a very busy year for all of us here at Puck. 
And I think the holidays just sort of came out of nowhere. And now we're here for mirth and merriment. Well, you had a couple of really incredible answers in in the guide that I was hoping you could share with our listeners today. It would be an honor. So our mirth and merriment guide asks all sorts of questions from what's your favorite stocking stuffer, the best gift you're giving, all the way down to, you know, what is your favorite daily luxury product that you can't live without? Or one of my favorite questions, favorite accessory this time of year. Dylan, I loved your answer for favorite accessory. Do you mind sharing it with our listeners? No, not at all. I These Ren sunglasses that I think were an Instagram find. I think Instagram threw them my way, probably because the algorithm told them that I did not have any good sunglasses. <laughs> and I ordered them and they're fantastic. The lenses are fantastic. The look is fantastic. And I... They're the one thing beyond my keys and my credit cards that I need to bring with me everywhere I go. I think this is the point of the conversation where I should point out that this is not sponsored by this sunglass company. (laughs) I have it on very good authority, by the way, that a number of people have purchased for their gift giving this year. Another item that you recommended on the guide, which is espresso maker. Oh, so that... I think that there's a point in your life where you're good at home with your with just a coffee machine and that's fine and that you can make it through life with with a coffee machine but if you ever catch the bug and I caught the bug a long time ago I just find I actually care about beverages generally and and given that my wife and so many other people I know are such good cooks the beverage program is the one part where I uh, still have any value add or something to <laughs> offer if you are looking for that really really special gift for someone who perhaps your significant other and yeah, you can spend 500, 600 bucks. This is like the gift of the season. It is the gift that, that will get used every single day. It certainly gets used many times a day in my house. It's the gift that keeps on giving because it does pull really great espresso. It is integral to my life even more so than my sunglasses. Were there any answers from any of your fellow journalists in Puck's Guide to Mirth and Merriment that kind of got your ears perked up a little bit that you wanted to learn more about? Oh, yeah. I've always been a big fan of bourbon. I was really happy to see on Julia Alexander's list the Hudson Baby Bourbon. Because in addition to actually just really appreciating whiskey, I think she and I should probably get together and have a glass of whiskey sometime. That bourbon specifically holds a special place in my heart specifically around Christmas, because I remember I went to school in the Hudson Valley. And I remember uh, the first time I bought a Christmas tree at college for my apartment. Uh, It wasn't my parents buying a Christmas tree. It wasn't somebody else's parents. It was me buying my own Christmas tree. My best friend in college, we went, we got it, we brought it back to the house, we decorated it, and we split a bottle of baby bourbon uh, and yeah, in front of the Christmas tree, it was very nice. That's so cute. <laughs> well, see, and they're conveniently sized. They're small <laughs> bottles. I wouldn't always recommend like having a, a full bottle, just two people on any <laughs> given night. But that was that with the, with the fire going and the and the Christmas lights. That was the vibe, and it was it was lovely, and it was a very fond memory. And I have not had a glass of Hudson Baby Bourbon since then. And when I saw Julia's inclusion, I thought, you know, that is actually, if you're going to get someone a nice bottle of whiskey and you don't want to, you don't want to go over the top and you want, you know, that again, the size of it is nice. It's a very nice small bottle. It's, it is the perfect gift. And she nailed it there. Well, I will do my best to angle an invitation to the Dylan Byers, Julia Alexander 
whiskey tasting evening event in front of a sparkling Christmas tree. That sounds magical. Well, thanks so much, Dylan, and happy holidays. Thank you, Alex. Happy holidays. I'm here now with Julia Alexander. Julia, I just spoke with Dylan Byers, who I think is Puck's resident mixologist. He and I were talking about Puck's Guide to Mirth and Merriment, and the answer out of all of the answers that he was particularly intrigued by was your answer for the seasonal cocktail of choice, uh, is specifically your go-to whiskey that you like to drink at home. Can you tell us about it? Yes. So the Hudson Baby Bourbon, which is one of my go-to whiskeys that you can use if you're trying to make an old-fashioned and you prefer a bourbon-based for your old-fashioned. If you want to drink it neat, you just want to do your two fingers before bed type situation. Or if you're having what my friends and I typically have, which are whiskey tastings. We do them every month. People bring over either their favorite whiskey or a new whiskey. At some point, this bourbon ends up in the pile. The thing about this whiskey, so I I drink a lot of whiskey if I'm having like a night. That's my go-to drink of choice. And I prefer whiskey neat, just a little bit, two fingers, and I like to sip it. I like to savor it. I'm not someone who's doing shots. I'm not someone who's adding ice. I'm not really someone who's even necessarily interested in creating cocktails out of it. So the type of whiskey that this is, it's not super heavily priced. It is from upstate New York. So it's got that local quality going for it. It is just smooth. The nice thing I like about it is that it's not necessarily a whiskey that you can feel going down. There are some whiskeys that are smooth, but you really feel that burn in your throat and then that nice warmth in your chest. This is just a smooth, rich whiskey that goes right to your chest. It warms you up. So it's perfect for the winter. It's the type of whiskey that I can sit and savor and I don't ever get tired of it. And I think in the winter when I'm looking for something to drink, it's a lot of familiarity. I said in the gift guide that one of my favorite bars is a bar called Traveler Bar in Brooklyn. It's a whiskey bar. And this is the type of whiskey that you go in and whether you're having a great day and you want to celebrate or you're having a bad day and you just want to have a drink with a friend, it is a type of whiskey that immediately makes you feel warm and good. When you were looking at the gift guide today, did anybody's answers kind of stick out to you that you want to check out yourself? You know, as someone who spends as much time writing about streaming for our puck readers and watching a lot of shows and movies, arguably too many shows and movies, I'm always really caught off guard when I come across something someone's watching that A, I haven't heard of, and B, sounds extremely intriguing because typically B makes A not happen. And so I was going through the list and I saw that Tara is actually watching something called The Empress. And I didn't know what that was. And I looked into it and I was immediately... I wanted to know so much more. So I'm hoping that I can learn a little bit more about what Tara has going on. We'll see what we can do. Thanks. Thank you. Tara, I just had a conversation with Julia Alexander, who told me that out of all of the areas of Puck's Guide to Mirth and Merriment that she was most interested in checking out, it was your response to what you're streaming during the holiday season that she wanted to learn more about. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. So I watched The Empress about Elizabeth of Austria, and it's really a great show. Love a period drama. Who doesn't? But 
The costumes are incredible. The set is beautiful. The drama is really top notch. It is dubbed because it's a German language series, but like it has all the stakes you need. It feels very crown. I watched it with my boyfriend, who's a huge fan of The Crown. He's British and like, you know how they are. They love The Crown. And we both decided it was just a very high-end production, like really strong narrative and drive. And the characters are really strong. And like, I like foreign films, but I'm not necessarily drawn to them. But this one just felt like it had all of it. When it's the holiday season or you're trying to take some downtime, are you a put your feet up on the couch and stream some shows type person or are you like a go-getter during the holiday season? I'm just curious. Definitely inclination is to stream. Stream first, <laughs> do things stream later. Stream first, go get later. I love yeah. That. I mean, it's we're just tired. You know, it's like we finally we need our breaks. But I, I really enjoyed that. I cannot wait for the next season. I wish there were more episodes coming. Well, I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Julia Alexander, which was, did anybody's input into the Mirth and Merriment Guide kind of perk your ears? Is there anything that you were excited to see? Yeah. So, you know, obviously I'm always looking for something to buy for the boyfriend because it's just hard to find things for men. So Peter actually mentioned DS and Durga candles. I was very intrigued because I had been given a sample of their hand lotions and I really enjoyed the scents. You know, I didn't really pay it that much attention to it until he started telling me about the candles. And I just love the names. It's an experience. Big Sur after the rain, portable fireplace, concrete after lightning, parquet leather. Portable fireplace. Yeah. You can almost smell it already. Great recommendation, Peter. Tara approves. <laughs> Thanks so much, Tara, and happy holidays. Thank you. Okay, Peter. Well, now we all need to know. Tell us about these candles. I gotta have one. <laughs> I've always like scented candles. The diptyque things are lovely, but so expensive. Um, there is a Brooklyn scent maker, I guess you would call them, called oh. DS and Durga. Um, and they make candles um, with very evocative names uh, and the scents live up to the hype. So for example, they have a candle called Concrete After Lightning. Um, for me, growing up in the humid Commonwealth of Virginia in the summertime uh, and now living in California where there are no thunderstorms, really, the smell of concrete a wet concrete and lightning and a thunderstorm uh, is just really, really grabbed me. And so I like that. I think that was the first one I ever ordered. I think it might've been during COVID when, you know, I was just bored and doing online shopping. <laughs> so good. Anyway, I love this place. I uh, would happily be a brand ambassador uh, that doesn't compromise my political journalism abilities. If you're listening, DS and Durga, I, I love you guys. We'll make sure to cut and send this to them. <laughs> I think that was a great inclusion. Um, and I'm, I'm happy you did that. And a lot of people are talking about it in the office. So I have the sense that the sense, no pun intended, that next time you're in New York, there's going to be a lot of these candles burning around HQ. Thanks so much for having me to talk through the Guide to Mirth and Merriment. I can't wait to hear what your listeners think about it. You can also find the article to the entire guide in today's episode notes. I can't wait to see what 2023's Guide to Mirth and Merriment brings. Let's start our list now, Peter. I'll start a, a Google Doc and, and we can just share our favorite things all year long. 
I think chat GPT will just produce the whole thing next year. That's my prediction. Oh, no. Well, on that happy note, happy holidays, everybody, from the powers that be. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear on this podcast, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. You can visit us at puck.news and on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Peter Hamby. See you next week. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, and Chris Corcoran, chief content officer and founding partner of Cadence 13.